Welcome to Whack or Slaps. We look back to the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, a band, or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that simply refuses to die. All right, having said all that, let's meet the two finalists for the next banjoist of Mumford & Sons. Hey, I'm Noah, and uh, group stalking is real and it's dangerous. Oh, shit. Right off the bat, huh? All right. I am Adrian, and I'm your producer. And I am your host, Caleb, and I was shadow banned in 2005 on MySpace. (laughs) Oh, boy. Still bitter about that. Uh, Welcome to it. This is episode 17. Whoa. Damn. Which I think I think is really apt. Uh, you know, you think of the number seventeen. The significance I have most with it is the age seventeen. You know, um, learn the truth, of course. Yep. Yeah, you gotta learn the truth. <laughs> now, Shout Caleb, out. off the top of your head, the seventeenth um, Rolling Stones album. What do you think? Throw out a guess. Tattoo you. Ooh. No. Wow. I think, that I think that's too be- early. That's in the range, though. Do you have it up? No, I don't. I'm gonna say, um, what's that one with Cherry O Baby? Um, oh, one where they're looking really close into the camera. That's yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say Steel Wheels for the hell of it. Okay, you guys want to know? What is yeah, it, it is a cover. It is the 17th British and the 19th American. What's the cover on that one? It is like a censored naked lady. Oh, oh. yeah. It has like kind of some like pastels and like negatives and stuff. It's real of its time. We're talking this came out in 1983. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Bad year for the stones. Yep. Um, yeah. Tattoo U was the 16th and 18th American. But they have more American albums. Probably just some repackaging bullshit. Yeah. But um for, sure. for, for us Americans, the only country that counts, uh their 17th album would have been Emotional Rescue. Oh boy. Wait, isn't that the one with or that's the one where it's like negatives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. X rays. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It is, and it's a very negative album too. Yeah. It's okay. It has she's so cold on it. It's not a bad album. It's not bad. Which, uh, if you ever want to see a, a video of a man gyrating on cocaine, you should watch the. Yeah, that album. She's so cold. Video. Low key, cokey. I would even say low key. <laughs> what do the kids say? High key. This album. <laughs> or hella. Okay, this album. That's a good segue. This album by Modest Mouse, The Moon in Antarctica from the year 2000. It's kind of low key, cokey. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's back when like doing cocaine was kind of interesting. I guess (laughs) Pacific Northwest. It was probably pure as the driven snow. Yeah, it was way less of like a basic move. Nobody even knew how to say the word fentanyl yet. (laughs) Just a glimmer in the eye of Mother Russia. The Silk Road is alive. (laughs) 
Craigslist was just coming out probably. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, today on the podcast, we have Modest Mouse and their third album, The Moon in Antarctica from the year 2000. Y2K kicking it off. Yeah. Adrian, what did Pitchfork say about this album? I mean, this is this started Pitchfork, this fucking album. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, I mean, they've been going for about four years at this point. They, they but this was definitely a seminal album, I would say, uh, for indie rock in general, but certainly for pitchwork. Uh, but they gave it a 9.8 which is incredibly high. Why not go 10? You're right there. Just It's right there. I don't know. Um and and also you got to hold something back. You got to edge a little bit, you know. <laughs> Just that that last point too. Yeah, cuz I think like the next year that uh, uh I see a darkness, the Bonnie Prince Billy album, they gave that a 10. Mm, well, I don't know what that point two would have been for this one cuz in in like the the review itself is a, like kind of a 10.0 review. He's very, very effusive with his praise. It did not get a best new music. It predates best new music by, I think, like three years. Uh, it was oh, so reviewed we're, by, we're stepping out of line. Just a bit. This might be, is this the oldest besides? Uh, uh, yeah, MBV. This, this is, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, digging deep, 21 yeah. years. But we had to do it. You know, it, it had to be. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a biggie. The review is by Brent DiCrescenzo, who, especially around that time, he was a big Pitchfork writer. I don't, I'm not sure what if he still writes for them. I know that I used to see that byline all the time back in the day, though. Um, and the excerpt I pulled is pretty long, which I think kind of suits the record, which is yes. also <laughs> fairly long and epic, uh, at least in feel. So here's here is a little bit from the review. For the first time, Modest Mouse crapped an album, not a collection of songs. That they managed to go beyond any other rock band out there is staggering. The sequencing weaves a dramatic ebb and flow of emotion. Every song is packed with fantastic sounds that reach out for space and salvation. The band is now precise and broad. Eric Judy's fluid bass quietly escorts the ear subconsciously through the appropriate moods. Green's drumming is playful and inventive. There is no way Modest Mouse will ever pull this off live. The space, equipment, and personnel needed seem limitless. Yet the scale rockets the album instantly into Valhalla. <laughs> An intoxicating mix of uncertainty and confidence, the moon in Antarctica constructs hollow approximations of heaven, hell, and deep space, most of which exist vividly in Isaac Brock's questioning mind. The title aptly entails the whole of the album. Sometimes the most spooky alien places are not too far off. Similarly, our immediate surroundings and internal environment feel even more otherworldly. Modest Mouse seeks salvation in God, death, and relationships. Fortunately, the rest of us can sometimes find it in records. Preach. <laughs> Wait, is this Isaac Brock we're talking about or Isaac Asimov? Jeez. <laughs> Outer <Yeah>. space? <laughs> I mean, it's very overblown. It's classic in classic pitchfork style, especially. I literally thought this album was just about Paps Blue Ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some ways it is. In that but... album. I'm sure we'll get into this, but in that album, they named uh, that review of this album. They name check uh, Radiohead and they're like, the last great album that we got was like, OK, computer. It's like now Radiohead's going to have to keep up with Modest Mouse. So oh, now, shit. We got the American Radiohead. Yeah, we got the, <laughs> no, we got everyone the, drink. Radiohead was the British Modest Mouse. 
Oh shit. Well, I mean, yeah, but if Modest Mouse is doing Radiohead and Radiohead's still doing Radiohead, yeah, then Radiohead's still doing Radiohead. Whatever <laughs> that goes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, Kid A albums of the early 2000s. I think Kid A was released not long after this, a few months maybe. I think October, but but yeah, I think this this was certainly on that scale, on that level, in terms of of you know a huge monumental album. I think they were already at this point one of the most well known Indian rock bands, one of the most beloved indie rock bands. Totally, uh, I think. And what I wanted, like, kind of what their deal is, um, is they were kind of shorthand for indie rock at this point. You know, like if you just said yeah. Midas Mouse, it invoked like the whole kind of upper echelon of that scene or whatever you want to call it you know it wasn't really seen because it wasn't localized but there's bands from chicago pacific northwest la all over but it was kind of that second wave or maybe even third wave of indie rock or however you want to parse it out but yeah they were like the band they were kind of like you know just like a little bit more underground than radiohead so kind of had that bona fides and they were just they were just huge and that's what indie rock meant was that this band and um, I can only imagine when this album came out, it's just like a fucking kind of shot across the bow for the whole genre. And I think along with with Modest Mouse certainly was the most popular. Uh, but I think like Built a Spill, Pavement, they yeah. had the indie rock sound that would follow into the 2000s where it was like, no, this is indie rock. It, right. Not grunge. It got like, codified and like, yeah. It, it, you you don't confuse it with grunge. You don't confuse it with, you with know, alt. any other type alt. Yeah, it's 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 strictly indie rock. It's not and, singer-songwriter. Yeah, you know, these are all like the trapping. Emo or whatever well, that was called back then, slow core or whatever. Yeah, yeah. they're just like. Although you can hear all that stuff in there. but Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a, kind of a mouth in the wide. But it's very, stuff, but. yeah, codified package and you know pitchfork at the same time the turn of the century was kind of like and this is the new blog coverage of this thing called indie rock and this is the sound and this is going to be the influence and they all just kind of pushed and modest mouse in no small way was like the fucking house band for all that yeah so that was their deal and uh yeah adrian what's the let's like kind of the deeper background on this little yeah uh not little but on this album well i mean i think that's a pretty good context for for what was going on at the time i think this was definitely a moment where indie rock was kind of getting a little bit more a little bit more steam it was growing a little bit more i mean certainly it was time of the advent of the internet and you know internet reviews being important and like pitchfork being important i think this is all going hand in hand so the, the album was recorded from July to November 1999 at Clavis Studios in Chicago. It was produced by Brian Deck, who uh, was a member of Red Red Meat uh, and produced a bunch of, he produced a bunch of stuff, Iron and Wine, Caliphone, um, which I think he also maybe had been a member of or at least played with. Uh, yeah, is like one dude and basically a bunch of different. Well, it's a bunch of thing. the dudes from Red Red Meat who went on right. to make, to, to, to start Caliphone, yeah. um, which is also a great band. If you, you know. Super good band. Yeah, totally. But this, the, one of the big storylines with this album is that this is their first uh, for a major label. It was released by Epic on June 13th, 2000. Um, it's the band's third studio album. 
but as I mentioned, it's their first for, for a major label. And I think, especially around this time, that was a much, much bigger thing. I think nowadays, like signing to a major label, it still gets some news, but it's not quite as like the seismic leap that it would have been in 2000, you know, like, I, I mean, I kind of remember this happening. I kind of remember bands signing to major labels and, and thinking like, oh, that's crazy. Like, what? how is that going to affect how they sound? How is that going to affect what, you know, what they put out? And, you know, and also like, how is that going to affect the fan base? You know, is it going to grow into something that like is distasteful yeah. or something that you're like, man, I don't really connect with this anymore? I think yeah. um, people didn't really mind all that much like when Nirvana did it because they began yeah. touching it. But I think the scare, the people, people got scared off was rem and their major label hmm. and how rem did kind of change after they got signed so i think that all left like the whole selling out stank and people's you know kind of clouded their vision of like what a band should be and stuff i think rem kind of really turned people off when they signed and that was the fear that they become smoothed out kind of mediocre yeah, and it's also just kind of the loss of propriety. You know, it's like this is our band. Like we did the legwork. You know, we sought out their albums. We drove to see them live when they were kind of small and middling. And then when they become everyone else's band, it's less. Uh, I don't know, less intimate, intimate too. So you kind of, you know, lose a little bit of luster there. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I have a, a quote from Isaac Brock kind of about this because he certainly was hearing all those concerns i'm sure from fans and from you know um, he he definitely talked about i had i read an oral history of this record and he definitely talked about it with some of the other members of like caliphone and stuff that were uh contributed to this but um the he, he's quoted as saying i don't think the new album is at all over polished or anything we spent more time getting crazy sounds and making things sound polished and when you listen to this record, like that's not completely true. I think there is some polish to it for sure compared to like the Lonesome Crowded West, which is the the their second album, the previous album. Yeah. But it's not like it's almost more like they like they just remove some of the like the the hiss and like the surrounding kind of aura of it or something. I don't know. It it still sounds like them and I it doesn't sound over polished. Um, but the part about like just doing crazy sounds like that's certainly true they definitely up their game in terms of like sonic experimentation and like brock he started using pro tools and different computer plugins to create some of the, these sounds so it was definitely a time when they were like super open to we want to just play around with the you know what can we do with with this album beyond just the basic guitar drums bass you know sort of i mean they'd always been experimental in their sound and always tried new things for sure but i think this one with the additional you know money and the additional time uh you know and support from from the major label i think they were able to kind of just say fuck it let's you know if we want to do some crazy soundscape stuff let's do it if you want to spend an hour or three hours or five hours recording one little bit like let's do it like as long as the album comes out great then it doesn't really matter but I have a few more little tidbits from the record, the history, the title itself. Do you guys know where that comes from? Uh, it's from Blade Runner. Yeah, that's right. It's a part of a headline from the opening scene that uh, Deckard's sitting at a noodle shop and he's reading a newspaper and it says, uh, Farming the Oceans, the Moon, and Antarctica. 
So Dilly fucked a robot. <laughs> uh, yeah, or he I is guess a robot. That's, this is kind of both. Sort of the point of the movie. Uh, yeah. Maybe he's a robot. It's ambiguous. Um, well, it depends on what cut you watch. It's left ambiguous. Ah, uh, true. Um, hey, hey, it's too much. Too much work. <laughs> the so the album itself that it, to get some of these you know more experimental sounds or more expansive sounds they they did feature a lot of collaborators. Violinist Tyler Riley, percussionist Ben Massarella, who is now a full time member of the band. Multi-instrumentalist Ben Blankenship, uh, and then also the California Red Red Meat leader, head songwriter Tim Rutilli, who also, I think, sings back up on one of the tracks. So, you know, they've got a bunch of their pals to come on and, and play different things. And, you know, all of I think all of the collaborators really add a lot of nice little sonic touches and stuff that really fleshes out these songs you know, especially like that violin sounds great on a lot of these, like all the strings sound really fantastic on these songs, you know, uh, and also the the rhythm section, I think, is really great. But the the label before the band recorded the this album, they had the them go out and record some demos with uh, the producer, Phil Eck. Uh, he produced Fleet Foxes, The Shins uh, and at the aforementioned Built to Spill. Uh, and you can hear all of those tracks on the Night on the Sun EP, uh, which was released in 1999. And those demos sound actually pretty good. They're a little bit more raw and a little bit sound a little bit closer to the the old older Modest Mouse sound. But it's we're definitely worth seeking out. It's an it's it's a pretty good EP. So the band showed up early to record, and the studio wasn't quite finished yet. It was in the process of of being built when they were in sort of the pre production of the record. And they actually ultimately ended up helping out, helping put up like drywall and shit and, and finishing up painting and whatever else was needed. They were just so stoked to go record that they, they're like, fuck it, let's just go two weeks early and uh, do what yeah, we can. DIY spirit. Very like uh, electric studios. Yeah, they're uh, signed to cross a... town kind of vibe. So it's the house that punk built. Signed <laughs> to a major, but let's put up some drywall. <laughs> yeah, I think they got Tom Sawyer, honestly. um also this so there's an infamous kind of story around this record it's recording right in the middle of it isaac brock was uh punched in the face uh i guess the story goes is that they were returning from you know dinner or, or at the bar or something and they met up with some locals on the street isaac brock was trying to diffuse the situation be like hey man it's cool we're just you know staying here and they're basically like fuck you you're not from here and punched him in the face uh and he ended up having to go to the hospital and his jaw was wired shut for like six weeks and i think that also contributed to the to a lot of the expanded sonic palette because now that he can't really sing because this was i think right at the beginning of them tracking vocals so you know he can't really do that when his jars jaw is wired shut so he focused on you know adding other parts and you know sweetening up little bits and and you know editing things together and really you know focused on getting the experimental stuff in there uh and i think that really benefited the record this is his like uh kanye's uh the college dropout (laughs) also famously a jaw wired shut album yeah and i think uh, kanye and isaac brock would probably they should probably start a podcast together yeah. got a <laughs> they should probably both that. have their jaws wired, wired shut like now <laughs> like <laughs> in perpetuity 
Um, but I, actually, there's another interesting story from that oral history, uh, which if you want to out there, you want to read it. It's um, on spin.com. It's pretty good. But he's talks. This about is a how pitchfork podcast. God damn it. Official, we don't read spin. Official <laughs> podcast of pitchfork spin magazine. Fucking get it yeah. here. Yeah. Come uh, to death row. Yeah. <laughs> Call the spin doctor. You're dead, homie. <laughs> <laughs> but. Get so they, off they played Interpol's dick, Spin. I remember that's the only thing I remember about Spin. Was Interpol's like the only band to exist in the pages of Spin uh, well, for like the, years. The Strokes dominated Spin. For oh like yeah, and then it was Interpol. Years. Took over. They're still on the cover of Spin this week, probably for some reason. <laughs> but anyways, they the they played the first Coachella, and this was like right after Brock Isaac Brock he um removed the wires himself and he fucked it up so he was like in a shit ton of pain he basically swallowed like you know a handful of pain pills just to go out there and, and hell yeah you know oh um, man i guess it was a total fucking mess but um, indie rock baby yeah exactly rock and roll maybe um but i have a couple more things here so uh diy doctoring too you know <laughs> The album was yeah, released. Nobody ever says that for like self-medication. They're like, hey, DIY, right? Dude, it's just <laughs> DIY fucking mental health services. Nobody like they say self-medicating, but I'm gonna start saying DIY medicating. Yeah, you know how there's like those like <laughs> lifestyle people on like Instagram and stuff. It's like DIY life, and then you just have you like drinking and like yeah. chasing it with some pills. Right. Like, DIY talking to strange, yeah, talking to strangers about like your deepest, darkest, like yeah. <laughs> neuroses and shit. <laughs> it's like DIY psychology. Just go up to a random DIY person at a medication. bar. <laughs> but to kind of finish continue. things off, <laughs> to kind of finish things off here. The album, when it was released, it did get a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, it was included on a bunch of best of the year, best of the decade lists. Pitchforks included on three of their lists so far, maybe four. Now that I think about it, but at least they've they've done included it on the three big ones. So the best of two thousands, they put it at number three Damn. behind Kid A and Ajadis Virgin, the Sugar Rose album. Uh, it that was, was seventh, number one. That was Kid A was number one, and then the oh, okay. Sugar Rose was number two. So Kid uh, A won the battle. Yeah, the war, the war of two thousand, at least. They named it seventh best of 2000 through 2005, and then the sixth best of the 2000s overall. Uh, so pretty high in all of those lists, and I think you know probably probably fitting. And then just as kind of a, a, a coda to all this, uh, Isaac Brock was pretty disappointed with the original album artwork in the final mix. Uh, so Trash. He... <laughs> the artwork is garbage. It's one of the it's worst album bad. covers I've ever seen. It's it's pretty about, bad. It's just like a remix of "Wish You Were Here," but just like <laughs> and but it's also kind of a remix of uh "Please to Meet Me." Yeah, the, please to meet oh, me. Oh, right, yeah. replace. <laughs> Which is also an album cover I've grown to love, but not the best. Yeah, well, the replacements they kind of put the Tim, same amount of effort into like songwriting and like yeah, I love the, the replacements by the way. Then um the album cover Tim they, is they also kind of, they hideous. didn't give a fuck. That was kind of their whole vibe. But "Let It Be" is pretty fucking classic. We got classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, they got it right. Hoot Nanny, great throwback Great. album cover yeah yep. um, so they got it right sometimes but um but yeah so he was definitely right about the artwork i don't know about the final mix i think that was i think that's pretty good but 
Well, he I think he was, uh, he was pulling a Blade Runner. I think that, like, that influence <laughs> yeah, you're right. on there. He had to do his own. Just call it uh, Moon in Antarctica, the final cut. Yeah, um, but he was reissued. He, re, you know, he did a new mix and it was reissued in 2004 uh, with remastered audio and a new cover. And the new cover is marginally better, I would say. It's kind um, of boring. It looks like a yeah. album cover or something. <laughs> um and then the audio also i i like i think i i kind of remember hearing this at the time but uh for what whatever it got panned by pitchfork and and it was kind of super you know unnecessary and i think i think they have since returned to the original mix uh but you know it is what it is um but that's all i have for for sort of the album background we can nice no uh, that's a that's like a hefty fucking background for like you're saying it's, it's a hefty deep dense yeah. album so i mean yeah it seems like it's all the different kind of things i had to line up for this album to sound like it does and the way it came out and everything and just also just before we move on i do have to issue one correction uh on myself uh last last week in the during the the background i think i said the animal collective was on f- uh, fat possum they were actually on fat cat and paw tracks so Oh, so close <laughs> so fucking close it's okay yeah, if so me far. and noah had to start issuing corrections we oh, it would be like I do a whole have podcast one. dedicated shamed. to it i'm shamed as a cinephile <laughs> the film for not the pornographers the japanese art film was directed by shohei imamoru not nikkei naruse both are good filmmakers and i watched the pornographers that movie's fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> worth seeking out yeah, but it's uh, it's heavy. It's like weird <laughs> sex movie for sure. And uh, not a correction, but a follow up. Noah, you were talking about this David Bowie movie with a Japanese actor and a score. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yes, that's oh. right. That's Ryuichi Sakamoto. Ryuichi Sakamoto. Yeah, Sakamoto. Oh, okay. yeah the uh, composer. Right. Well, uh, we got that. And he's the also way. the actor in there. But this yeah. isn't the correction podcast, okay? The corrections. The, the, we have a podcast about that book. The correction. The correction. We're yeah. yeah, we're big friends and heads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're as basic as it gets. Well, yeah. Thank you for um. Yeah, I don't. I I appreciate you uh doing the correction. That's completely unnecessary. Right. And for Christ's sake, a, let's move on. <laughs> it starts a dangerous precedent. Um. <laughs> all right. Next, we are gonna talk about where we stand with this album. What our history is with this album, and uh, who would like to. Hit it off. Um, I can go because I have a feeling that my history is probably not as rich as probably Adrian's, maybe yours too, Caleb. But um, I heard this album not in 2000, I don't think, although I knew like Modest Mouse, they're kind of getting to that point where they're kind of inescapable and they were on like car commercials and all that shit. But there was sometime around in high school, probably my junior, senior year of high school. And I think my brother, Zachary, might have showed me this or gave me a copy or something. But for the most part, I was never a Modest Mouse kid. I was never like, those are my guys. I liked the album, but it didn't like speak to me in any sort of way. And then flash forward a few years after this album came out, when they became completely unescapable, with the float on hit and and so i started listening i listened to that album just because you kind of like had to i was like a 
freshman living in a freshman at college living in a dorm room. I think room. you had to by virtue of having ears in that. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, it, it was literally <laughs> inescapable for a moment in time. Yeah, that song Float On was so big that Lupe Fiasco was able to remix it, like reinterpret it and have his own hit. <laughs> yeah. And then also I think the Ocean Breeze Salty, some country dude countrified that song and had a hit with it too. So huh, no shit. But anyways, fast forward again, I would say it was around like 2007, 2008. I was uh, living with a woman. We were in a relationship and we kind of like combined our CD collections and she had this album and I listened to it a lot for about a year and I, I liked it, but again, I just modest mouse were never my guys, but I did know a fair amount of modest mouse people like my brother. I think even my oldest brother, Isaac was a modest mouse guy for a second there. Uh, maybe just because his name's Isaac, but <laughs> gotta support the Isaacs. But it always reminded me of our friend Twilly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you always have those modest mouse people in your life. I was never one of them. I never joined the cult, but I like this album and listened to it a fair amount as a in my late, mid, early twenties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Really concise. Uh, I can jump in since, um, yeah, you're you're kind of half right about uh, me not having a super deep history with this. Um, I think for me, it all kind of starts back of being kind of in the Central Coast kind of hardcore scene a little bit. Um, you know, there was like the like a good group of kids, but it was such a small scene that it kind of it cast a really wide tent. So you had all sorts of like you know, it was like me and Adrian were really hardcore kids are more just like stoners with like eclectic musical taste but there'd be like <laughs> scene kids kids are into indie kids are into like folk punks you know just like you know just like a kind of random assortment of kids but they all kind of just like flock to heavier shows and shit yeah, your power pop kids were there yeah yeah you had your power poppers you had your like um loadies rivet, your skaters your, 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 riv, your rivet heads your backpack um, rappers yeah. smack heads weirdos um, Real righteous dude yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so anyway so like you know i met a lot of like uh, people who i'm still really close with now through that um who like kids i didn't go to like grade school with or grew up in like the neighborhood with so um and it was cool because you always met these kids at hardcore shows and they were in hardcore bands and it was kind of what like was the like you know kind of the the central thread in all of our you know how we knew each other but then there was all these kids who there's like it was i remember it was like this phenomenon that i noticed Cause I've never had been a person that has a favorite band or whatever, but then like our friend Jason, like you'd go to shows and shit, but his favorite band was the cure. Our friend Edward, his favorite band was joy division. And then Tyler, his favorite band was modest mouse, but he was also like played guitar and hardcore bands and shit and was like pretty deeply involved in the scene. But we call him modest Tyler, you know, that was his nickname. So I always thought it was cool that um, there's these kids who were kind of like involved in this heavy music scene, but then appreciate music kind of outside of that. And then you get to thinking about, you know, how you can kind of get to the same emotional spectrum or the same kind of like feelings, but through different tones and musical approaches and shit. Um, so yeah, that helps you kind of like broaden your, your interests and your taste and stuff. So that's probably where I first heard a modest master or met. Maybe I'd heard of them through the, like, no, you're saying through our old, old, old bros. Um, because they were into your kind of basic indie stuff as they were getting out of hardcore themselves. 
Yeah, so like you heard it through that, but like I said, I didn't really know what the band sounded like. You know, I just thought it was like shorthand for like some kind of indie rock. I don't even know what that meant, but it seemed a little bit above my intellect and a little bit, you know, pretentious. And um, but then you know, I met Tyler and stuff, and like you know, he was just like all about the band, you know, especially I want to say this album specifically. And um, yeah, just kind of like a little little light went off in my head. I was like, oh, you know, I can kind of like reach different kind of emotional i could do, reach certain sort of feelings and aggressions and things but it doesn't have to be through you know chugga chuggas and super like heavy guitars and shit so yeah i thought that was kind of cool um and it was you know it was kind of like as you get older you start to break out of like my four quadrants of my youth were musically were like you know metal hardcore hip hop you know gangster rap and like grunge alt you know and then this is kind of like a fifth way um, that combined all the different things I liked about it. So um, didn't really listen to them in high school, but then it kind of picked it up back in college because, you know, that's kind of what kids were listening to. And that was like the kids I did like college radio with and stuff like that, or just like, you know, kids in the smoking section who weren't like fucking dirt head hippies <laughs> um, or like weird crust punks who didn't want to ever want to fucking pay for anything. So uh so specifically my homies mike and jesse they would uh we'd listen to the moon and antarctic a lot and i was familiar with it enough and um yeah so that was like pretty cool to like kind of revisit that band and kind of have a little bit more mileage musically under under my belt and kind of like appreciate it differently and um it would always go on like late at night too it's kind of like weird drug music um like yeah, because it's like a pretty spacey album, you know, it has like long, it gets kind of dark and then it kind of lightens back up and stuff. So it kind of helps you navigate some psychonaut journeys. So, yeah, that was cool. And then um, and then like my second year of college, kind of like when I had like my summer of love, uh, when I started to get into <laughs> indie, um, like more more like, OK, I'm like out of the heavier, weirder stuff. I'm kind of just getting, getting freaky to like peter bjorn and john or yeah it's so weird because like i was kind of listening to just like out there metal shit and like weird like i don't even know if i liked indie rock i think of two indie rock bands i would have known the most before that were like black flag and the no that's no it's like it's like shushu (laughs) and like godspeed you know basically were like Mm. bands that i would guess i would have called indie rock at that time but i don't know and then so yeah. i was just like so i felt like i had a lot of catching up to do you know i was like fuck i don't even know any modest mouth albums i don't even own oh, wilco would have been the other third band but i was like i don't even know fucking built to spill or missions of burma or any of that shit so i was like i was like all right i need to really commit and learn the canon so i like somebody probably pat um just like shifted his hard drive over to my hard drive and it like had all the like modest mouse albums so i was like all right I I kind of want to get over the shame and embarrassment. I don't know about like the classics, you know, your trad indie. Um, so I was like, I'm trying to listen to, uh, I'm going to try to listen to their back catalog, you know, those like first three or four albums and like try to listen to one a day and then like, kind of mix it up with other, you know, bands that I thought were part of the canon. And yeah, I dug it a lot. I would, you know, I just kind of sit there. It was at a time when I had a longer attention span. So I just like would sit and listen to music and like kind of just, probably just sleep and be stoned but like i wasn't on i didn't have a phone to be on i wouldn't like read and do it i would just kind of you know appreciate it um yeah i really loved just the, how like dense and kind of weaving in and out of all these different ideas and peaks and valleys that it had going for it so 
it was cool but it also like scratched an itch you know a lot of it's like really has like really driving chords it's like pretty emotionally fraught and get dark and a little heavy honestly some of the some of those jams so kind of had the rock part of indie rock down and i liked that because i ne never could really like get deeper with the more like kind of pressure more precious twee shit yeah and it, it was cool it was just like spacey and kind of had like space rock parts to it and like you know post-rock shit that was also kind of getting into so yeah i had a lot of different um ideas and influences yeah that really sparked my interest and then um yeah just always had it in my back pocket and then and then with all that stuff that like i was into kind of the mechanical indie it just becomes drinking music after a while <laughs> and it just becomes like you know you put on center of the universe or whatever like you put on like i put on like fucking jason molina or like Bonnie Prince Billy or whatever you know it's just kind of like sad bastard white dude music when you're fucking whiskey drunk you know and just like <laughs> and so it kind of like and I got all that shit like in the same time too so kind of just kind of grouped into that for me so it comes up a lot you know um you'd be as like drink a fair amount um or did and then um yeah so that's kind of where it got relegated to but um I was excited to see this on the list and really like jump back into it so yeah Nice. What about you, Adrian? What's your uh, personal history with it? So, yeah, of all of us, I think I probably have the most history with Modest Mouse, uh, at least at this time, for sure. I I had heard of Modest Mouse probably on a uh, bulletin board or something back in the day. Uh, and I remember this is the Napster time. So I had downloaded, you know, basically a handful of their songs and which I really liked. I, and they're all, you know, the, the early stuff <clears throat> is, is eclectic in the same way that this album is eclectic where they're trying a lot of different things and they're wearing a lot of different hats, but it's all kind of weird. It's all kind of, you know, very much them. Um, like I remember Cowboy Dan, which is a kind of a weird song, it's very atmospheric in its own way. Um, but I remember just listening to that song and being like, whoa, this is, this is fucking cool. I like, I really like this. This is interesting. Uh, I think it even really, it may have landed on one of those uh, punk alt mixes from, from early times, but. Dude, so, I was yeah, moving I, out recently and I found my spindle. It's the oldest spindle I know that exists. So I haven't <laughs> dug into it. I, there's a 40% chance at least volume two is in yeah. there. I'll let you know what I can <laughs> yeah. find and see what we can uh, recreate ancient history just just uh recreated on like a spotify playlist dude i did find daydream nation that um and sister i think they were on two different uh verbatims i found that <laughs> in that spindle and that's from like the same fucking month probably I'm like they're it's like yeah. 17 years old or something so anyways there's hope sorry <laughs> yeah yeah we can if we yeah we can find that we'll definitely uh we'll definitely recreate and post it but um so yeah, I, I you know I was I was into them. Um, I never really sought out because at this time, you know, I was still just kind of mixing and matching a lot of things. I wasn't really seeking out full albums quite yet. Um, besides just the stuff that I would buy on CD, you know, whatever from from Best Buy. But you know, I, I heard a few of the songs from this record. I think Gravity Rides Everything and maybe Tiny Cities Made of Ashes and some something else. But I had never really listened to this whole record until uh, freshman year of college. I started hanging out with our the aforementioned Tyler, a bunch, uh, aka T Willie two thousand, aka Modest Tyler. But we we were hanging out a bunch, and he he was as you said super into Modest Mouse. At one point, I ripped the, the pretty much the entire discography 
through good news for people who love bad news. Uh, and that's kind of when I first heard this record in its entirety. And I really liked it. I, I kind of, it really, you know, it really cemented them as a band that I, I loved. And, you know, it's certainly one of their more, even though it's very eclectic, it's very cohesive and it's, you know, it's kind of sound sounds and, and, and um, in its own way, like it's, it feels very much of a piece. So listening to that whole record, like I definitely got super into it for, you know, those early kind of college years. It's a great driving around record. Like you can throw it on and uh, if you have to go on like on a road trip or something, it's perfect for, for just kind of driving, especially late night driving. Um, yeah. Especially I, if you have nothing to think about. That's a long drive. <laughs> for someone to talk about um and i would also throw it on at work there was a good work record for me when i worked as a cashier at a gas station because i could just throw it on super loud like on a sunday morning and uh it really hit the spot a lot of the times and it so yeah it, it became kind of a mainstay uh along with lonesome crowd of west the, the record before that and then they had this compilation record that's a bunch of singles and then i think one or two eps called building something out of nothing um that i was really really loved too and i think those two probably stuck with me longer um i think after a few years this one you know moon in antarctica kind of fell out of favor as much as the other two i don't know i don't know why honestly because on listening to this now it definitely holds up and so much you know so much better than i thought it would have have but I definitely revisited the songs on occasion, but after pretty much after those early college years, yeah, it kind of went back on the shelf for a bit until uh, until we revisited it here. But it it was certainly at that time a very important piece of like my you know musical self. You know, they I really loved them and and I loved the all of their records and this one certainly you know left a mark on me for sure. Yeah, nice. definitely. All how right. old were you guys? Speaking of indie rock, how old were you guys when you read the book? The our band could be your life. Oh well, fifteen, fourteen, I think is when I bought it. I would have liked to be fourteen or fifteen when I read it, but Adrian would never let me borrow it. I know I was always too it's precious. Broke to buy I couldn't books. let you. It was after um, library, and I know to be honest, Noah can attest to this. I I, I am kind of rough with books, so you made the right decision. <laughs> um. They had I it at the Santa Maria the Library. Text. What? They had it at the library the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I got it when oh, I was fucker. about 18. Yeah, I didn't read it till I was like 28 or so. I yeah. borrowed it from a friend. Shout out, Rachel. Thank you for letting me borrow well, it. I was just saying And that I read it cool. like, I read it like you read something when you're 15, like either yeah. super slowly, but I read I read it the other way where it's like just voraciously, just like tearing through it. Yeah. Um, I just feel like we're talking about like indie rock and how we realized like, kind of what indie rock means and also what it sounds like. And that book always like really helped put stuff into context for me. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, and then like, I feel like this band was kind of like, didn't really carry the torture of any of those bands, but like in terms of like what that represented. Yeah. Like you met like, you know, when I was kind of stepped out of Santa Maria, like, you know, in college or go to big cities or whatever. And then you met people in like this album, they may not be like super into it like we are these days or whatever, but like it was at least really important to people and it really kind of kind of yeah it's a big aggregate for um you know kind of what where people went musically. Um I think yeah. we have one more 
voice to hear from, don't we? Yeah, definitely. We uh, mentioned him enough. Um, so let's give the man some space to talk for himself. So this is uh, Daddy Twee Willie himself, uh, Twilly himself, giving us a little his little uh, personal history on this uh, this yeah. album. Out of all of our friends, he's kind of like the one who Modest Mouse is his favorite band. Yep. And is it K-Dub's favorite band too, his sister? Uh, up there. Definitely uh, up, it's there, up there. Yeah. I know she's a big Get Up Kids fan too, which kind of makes sense compared to this album too, compared well, to this band. Let's hear from Twilly. Shout out Twilly. Shout out the whole Dub fam. Yep. Shout out K Dub. Yeah, she here's a here's a message from our old friend T W. For me, The Moon in Antarctica is one of my favorite albums uh, that I've ever listened to. I still listen to it pretty regularly um it's just a complete album you can tell that they put a lot of work into it um from beginning to end it's not as raw as the previous two albums or all of the uh, eps and singles that they put out before that um my favorite song out of all the songs that they've ever put out is on this life like weeds um that is just you know heavily instrumental great melodies just really a great example of what that album is um, you know, Tiny City Made of Ashes has a funky bass line. This is one of the albums, too, that when, you know, I was a teenager and I was trying to get other people to listen to them, you know, Modest Mouse with their different type of sound, Brock's, uh, you know, weird vocal stylings. People weren't really into it. That were my friends. But this album, I was able to get it to them and they would listen to it and see, you know, hey, these guys got something going on and which it was kind of the turning point for their career with the next album coming out but still listen to this album all the time and still recommend it highly damn close to shut yeah they got that guy did what uh <laughs> we try to do in about a minute and a half it I takes us Jesus I was like, Christ, yeah, dude, we are some it. meandering sons of bitches I was um, like, just give us a minute long voicemail and like kind of sum it all up. Teach us like, a lesson. Shit. And he's like, I think I could do that before I yeah. go to bed because he's on the East Coast. Yep. I was like, I just need it by seven. He's like, all right. And then I listened to it. I was like, oh, fuck. Fucking knocked it play. out, dude. That guy's a true professional. So we'll before we uh, before we dip into the break, why don't we uh, get the people what they want, get Tyler what he wants, a little life like weeds to take us out. All right. And I just want to add, I like that he mentions that he was like an evangelist for them because totally you know, modest Tyler was very modest it, about it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> as we've, and I think as we've, you know, talked about a bunch on this um, podcast, like for us, you know, being an evangelist for these bands was, was important because coming from a smallish city, a smallish town, you know, like you, you, you got to find your fellow weirdos. And so you are going to be pushing like, well, you know, you like this stuff. Well, listen to this, you know, um so i like i like yeah. hearing that and it also makes me you know makes me happy to hear that yeah. so everywhere you went back in the day people were always trying to play you like their music i don't think that mm-hmm. really happens anymore their guys their bands their gals yeah their people whether yeah. it was like you know like too short or modest mouth it was like check this shit out like all the time yeah well on that note let's go out with a little life like weeds And we are back. 
Um, yeah, now let's just hop right into it. How do we feel about the album now, fellas? Yeah. Um, I'll go first, I guess. Sure. Yeah, why not? Um, so I hadn't listened to this album in a good, I don't know, 10 plus years, maybe more. Um, and I got to say, when I first put it on, I was listening to it on my headphones, walking around. It's a good walking around uh, yeah. album. And uh, I was like shocked. The first five songs, I was like, oh, yeah, this is all so familiar. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I was never like a Modest Mouse kid. And I only listened to it a little bit later and listened to it only for, I had about a year kind of love affair with this album. And I was like, wow, like these first five songs are like perfect. Like this shit is like really holds up. And I remember every lyric and all the melodies and all the studio trickery. There's a lot going on and, you know, it's a little fussy at times, but I was like, yeah, I'm really into this. I was even into like the whole, he's doing this kind of vocal effect on every song where it's like, has like that butthole surfers, like megaphone voice going on. <laughs> um, I think this album owes a lot to butthole servers actually in a weird way, but yeah, you're uh, not wrong. So I, I love the first five songs. Then I started getting worn down by this album. I kind of turned on it midway through <laughs> and it's just, it's fifth or what is it? Yeah, 15 songs. It's a lot of fucking songs. But that's kind of their thing. Like all their albums are like 15, 16 songs. And this is one of their shorter albums, actually, because a lot of them are like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And it kind of graded on me. There's a little too much studio fuckery, a little too much Pro Tools going on. And so I'd say, for me, like song one through five and then like song 10 through 11 would make like a really kind of perfect like nine, 10 song album. But like the six through nine and then the last three songs just were not doing it for me. And it kind of wore me out. But I still wanted to listen to it. I listened to it like any time I was walking around, like there's a lot there. There's a lot to dig in. So I, I think it's one of those albums. Like if I listen to it for another week straight, I might like it more. Like, I think it grows on you, hmm. but I do think it does get weighted down by a little bit of uh, a little bit of preciousness on, on Isaac Brock's part with like his vocals sometimes. And, there's a little too much of Isaac Brock on this album, like as far as his lyrics go. But I think he does have a pretty interesting voice. And I like when it's more just kind of earnest and like maybe a little more mid-tempo songs. Um, but I got to say the first five songs on this album is like an important document of 2000s indie rock. Like, uh Absolutely. It's almost like this album's so epic that it, it, I mean, I'm not saying that as like a qualitative thing. It's just like in scope, it's epic. It almost has like five intro songs. Like they're, they're like, it's like it kind of, they could each individually work as the first like song that sets it all off. Or you could look at it as one five song suite that is like the first fucking movement or the first song. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, we talk about it. I've talked about it before. 
most classic albums, they have a great one-two punch. The first song really sets the tone for the album. And then the second song offers something new, but also carries the tone for the album. And it really sets up. And this is a classic one-two punch as far as Third Planet and Gravity Rides Everything. I think it's a classic uh, two-song uh, intro. So, yeah, I I like I like it. You know, I'm still not a Modest Mouse guy. Like they they just weren't my guys, but I respect it. And you know. I was shocked how just familiar it all came back to me where it's like, Oh yeah, all these little riffs and stuff are pretty iconic. And maybe that's just because they were in like a, what was it? Like a Jetta commercial or whatever. And it gets used in some, you know, pop culture stuff, but, uh, but it did get me thinking now their legacy and their footprint and music. It's kind of like animal collective where it's like, it's just, it's kind of non-existent now. Totally. But what are anyways. the three best uh, Jetta commercials? You had the Breeders, um, Pavement, Modest Mouse. Am I right on that? Don't what was the, the Nick song? Drake? Oh, the Nick oh, Drake, yeah. yeah. Pink, pink. I believe they used stereo on the uh, one of them, right? Pink, Am I misremembering that the Pavement was in a? I think no. I think you're right. I think they, I think stereo was in one of them at some point. Yeah, dude. I remember I bought the album Pink Moon because. I read like an article on like AOL.com and it's like the guy who made the, the Jetta commercial song, Nick Drake, <laughs> like a forgotten, like stalwart of folk. And so I like went to, I visited um, my brother up in Oakland with my mom and we went to Amoeba and I was like, Oh, I want to buy that Nick Drake album. And then we were driving back to him and his wife at the time's house. I was like, put this song on. And he's like, he's like, what is this, Nick Drake? I was like, you know him. He's the guy from the Jetta commercial. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But anyways, Caleb. All right, yeah, let's hit it off to me. Um, yeah, I had a similar experience. I want to say, like, I, I, other than kind of listening to any of those first five songs, kind of isolated incidents. Like I said, like, oh, we have just like walk down memory lane, late night kind of songs. So someone will put on you know, the, some of those songs, but like to, to listen to the album as a whole, I probably haven't done that since 2007, 2006, even, you know, it's been a long time. Um, so I was pretty like kind of stoked to listen to it because I knew kind of like, actually, I didn't know what to expect. I thought I couldn't remember which way this album went. If it was kind of just more like your rock and indie rock, or if it was that, I don't know, just like the more idiosyncratic kind of goofy voice voice isaac brock thing um so i was just like kind of pleasantly surprised on how easy it was to listen to and how like yeah those first three songs i think just like as an intro just really started that's like a mission statement of what this album is going to be and um and yeah the quirks didn't get to me i thought it's all like very earnest and i thought it's all like emotionally consistent and kind of like driving at something and like kind of working with these bigger ideas and then as the album progresses, you realize like how adept of players they are, like how good they are for like, because they were a power trio at this point, basically, right, Adrian? Yeah, I think for most of that early years, they were the trio yeah. and then they would, you know, incorporate other members as needed. But totally. it was the, the core three. 
Totally. And on like, so then that, that part was cool is like, you could actually, even though they have all these different elements and they're using all these different layers and like production things, um, they sound like a power trio, just how like you kind of have to like compensate for not having a rhythm guitar and how you just do like cool textural leads or how you do like really dope, like rhythms and do all this like counter punctual stuff, you know? And I think a lot of great power trios, whether it's fucking whatever, <laughs> Minutemen, Grand Funk, Jawbreaker, you know, they all kind of have this really um, involved way of playing and interplay. And Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nirvana, too. I think Nirvana did it in a little bit more of a, like a bass kind of austere way. But totally, yeah, same thing where it's like you're kind of you're each adding something to compensate for the other thing. And like and I thought like that really made this album sound so full and full of life and like all these kind of different um, textures and things just bouncing around and stuff so yeah that was that was like really cool in terms of like the instrumentation stuff and then um i kind of was experiencing what you, you were saying or it feels like slightly bloated you know even though they carry the songs carry on and they have like a pretty good sequencing with the album but at some point there there is some songs where it's just kind of like i don't know kind of hits the brakes a little bit too abruptly and you're like all right we can just kind of skip this maybe a little bit and um but for the most part, yeah, it just keeps kind of driving home and you know, just really enjoy all the peaks and valleys and the scope of it is like very like at, like they had really big aspirations for this album and really tried a, a lot of different things. And it was I was really surprised to like hear that more with a more critical ear than I would when I heard it as like a younger person, because you kind of remember it as like just kind of just like this basic indie rock shit where it's like, oh, they're kind of just like weird voice pretty straightforward playing with some weird stuff but it's like no this this album fucking rocks like they're doing like the built to spill like thing but with a, a little bit more psychedelia or a little bit more punch you know um a lot of a lot of depth yeah and and just like narratively it's like really melancholy and like transcendental like you were saying like from that dude's uh review of uh, you know just kind of like these bigger picture and bigger ideas and shit and he's definitely like he does it in a really kind of Bukowski-esque like you know I don't know indirect kind of way but um you know and um, it's cool it's really dope and um there is like some slight quibbles I have with it just about kind of taste wise like Brock's voice is a little hard to swallow at points. Like there's sometimes where he's kind of just doing like the high register, kind of like wailing. That stuff's cool. But when he like kind of does this weird, I don't even know how to say it, like kind of like trailer that's park. like a rapping. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of like backpack like rap song, at, like in a, a trailer park, kind of like yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's like, like that fake cotton s- cotton eyed Joe song. Like, yeah, it has, come from? Here we go. It has what I call a fake drunk stank on it, where it's just kind of like, oh, it's it's like I'm the town drunk with a heart of gold who's a professor or whatever. It's like a prospector poet. Yeah. And that's kind (laughs) of, and that, like, for those jams, I'm not, I kind of check out a little bit. And then it has me asking, too, dude, you know how I'm always talking about like Blazer Rock, uh, fucking Vest Rock? Did Modest Mouse, in a way, invent Suspender Rock? And what I, uh, I mean by suspender rock is, and you guys follow me here, it's kind of like that hard on your sleeve, bombastic, very catchy Americana. You know, like uh, like our favorite band from last week, the Lumineers, the Avid <laughs> Brothers, all that like basic Edward Sharp and the fucking whatevers. 
Mumf, uh, Mumford yeah. and Sons, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson's favorite band. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of the, you know, kind of that shit. I feel like there's a couple songs and just a couple of ways where it's just like, I don't know, it's a little off placed banjo and it gets a little stompy and kind of suspendery. And so then I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fashion squint, guy. If you squint your ears, how do you, what's you the equivalent do. of squinting your ears? Squinting your ears. You, you plug them slightly. They're not too far from like Dave Matthews band. Honestly, where it's, it's like, a hop and a skip for sure. Yeah, it's like overstuffed. It might be a long I'm a smart but no, but it's like I'm a smart intellectual songwriter who has a little funk in my voice. But I do some bigger (laughs) themes. I talk about a little bit of funk in my voice. Yeah, so maybe like a band like Mufford and Sons literally just resolves the like the dialectic between bands like uh Moss Mouse and fucking Dave Matthews. But they are so Hmm. capital I, you know, R. A W K indie rock. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're just like trad. They're just like fucking, you know. It's like uh, how like Metallica isn't really any other kind of metal. You know, it's kind of without a qualifier. <laughs> so it's just like. But you do hear how big of an influence like Built to Spill is. Built to totally, Spill is especially like all just like the spindly guitars and just like all the different directions things go and all the parts and everything yeah the kind of multifaceted playing it's on there but um yeah so i don't know i was kind of weary of the suspender rock and uh maybe we'll when we talk about our wax here i can kind of flesh that out a little bit more but um for the most part like yeah it it's really good it has like and it's just like the first few songs are just like this big picture kind of like intro like wide-eyed kind of thing and then it gets a little bit like more eclectic with like the tiny cities made of ashes and like the family dog songs a little gets a little down home and folky and then i feel like it has this other back half where it's just a lot more driving and that's probably the shit that like sold tyler on this band or whatever where it's almost like post-hardcore a little bit where it's just like really dark well the last song fucking multi-layered guitars and shit and um yeah, so it's cool. It's cool to just kind of experience the whole menagerie of uh, different things with this album. So, um, yeah, fucking, uh, it was really good to listen to, and I d- I didn't find it as a chore, even though this album's almost an hour long, and it's fifteen songs, and each song's pretty distinct, you know. So it's like doing fifteen different songs to listen to. Yeah. Nothing really um, bleeds into each other, but um, yeah, I was like happy to listen to it multiple times, and I think it'll just uh, probably keep it in my back pocket, you know, my back whiskey pocket as like a you know, your Saturday night, um, you listen to an album, so you call your friends, and your friends like, you know what time it is. I'm like, yeah. yeah. They're like, I live on the East Coast. It's three hours ahead. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Definitely the first five songs would be like, you're getting a little you're getting a little tipsy for some reason. Maybe you're like, you got the house to yourself, and you're like, oh, shit, why did I drink a six-pack at yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, and then you're like, Put oh, you that. know what sounds good is this fucking album. I don't want to hear that one song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Loki Koki. Loki <laughs> Koki. All right. Loki. What about you, Adrian? What's your uh... home? True believer, rhapsodized, <laughs> brother. Um, well, you know, I think I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I didn't this this record certainly was put on a, a back burner in until basically this. I think I, you know, I had listened to a few songs from it here and there for the past from the past uh decade or so but 
but yeah, listening to it now, I, I just it surprised me how well it held up actually. Um, because I think the Lonesome Crowd of West held holds up really well, and I think Building Something Out of Nothing also really well, but some of their other stuff, maybe not so much, especially everything kind of post good news, I think is very much of its You're time. not a golden casket fan. <laughs> oh boy that came out four days ago i didn't realize that yeah yeah so we're very timely on this but um my fucking record yeah. store didn't have it i thought that came out last year no it came out four days ago very recently oh, wow. yeah it seems old already i didn't <laughs> go I, I didn't go looking for it modern life. it's an instant instant classic nobody cares about <laughs> uh but you know i so I, I was I was pleasantly maybe not pleasantly surprised, but I was uh, I was definitely happy to hear that it's not that it held up so well. Um, and I think on these listens too, I, there's a lot of stuff that that really became very clear. I think um, I, I agree it's it's a little long for sure, but I think the sequencing and the flow of the record is actually pretty good for the most part. You know, because they do they do a lot of stuff where they're building energy with a couple of songs and they'll pull it back with something more spacey. Then they'll get back into the, something a little bit more, you know, energetic and then something more experimental. I think they found like a nice bounce. Um, and then also, I think just between songs, they do a pretty decent job. I think, yeah, Caleb, there is a few times where there was kind of a abruptness, but I think for the most part, it works for the the track listing. Um, I, I really like and uh, I really appreciated the production a lot more these listens. Uh, I listened to it you know a handful of times for this. but uh, you know I always uh, I always liked it and I always re you know knew that it was kind of a step up from the previous stuff. And, and I didn't even realize it was the dude from Caliphone because I was like huge into Caliphone when I was like 2006 around there. Yeah, I'm and not he sure was, he was in Cal. He was definitely in Red Red Meat, but yeah, but even Red Red Meat and um, but that kind of Chicago sound where it's just like yeah, very multi layered Americana kind of stuff that was coming out. The shit's fucking cool, and it's like yeah, it's interesting to 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 realize that and to like kind of apply that to this listening. Yeah, very I mean, cool. when you when you realize that connection, you definitely like oh okay, then that makes sense that you know Isaac Brock's probably sought him out because he liked that the sound of those records of the red red me records of the caliphone records when we you know i think roots and crowns oh that's a good one dude that um, fucking cover that psychic tv song they do is like instant fucking tears for me that song is fucking gorgeous great great record i'm sure yeah. we'll get to it hopefully sooner than later but you know i i think that yeah i think that the production is just great i think that all of the sounds are really they're very much placed you know, with a lot of thought and a lot of like consideration in terms of where everything is in the mix, where, you know, the levels of everything, the way that things work texturally in terms of like building or, you know, adding to the song as opposed to just kind of covering stuff up or, you know, it all kind of makes sense as a piece together, which I think is hard to accomplish, especially when there's so much shit going on. Um, it can kind of sometimes get you know muddy and this is all very clear and very really crisp and nice and i think it just it really works for the songs it's you know compared to to loans and credit west it's certainly you know a, a step forward and i i really appreciate that about it um, on this these listens um but you know at the same time it still has a lot of the abstract and experimental stuff 
about the band that I really, you know, love from, from their earlier records. So I think this is kind of the, the right balance, but you know, it also points certainly to where they were headed. I think if you listen to especially like gravity rise, everything, you know, there's a lot of textures there that will reappear on um, the next record. Good news. You know, I think it's pointing at how much more polished they would become, but here on this record, it's, it's the right mix where it's like, they're, they're kind of little touches as opposed to like full on the whole song is being, you know, kind of this sheen having this pop sheen on it where it it's just sounds ready for the radio. And I think another thing uh, that I've really noticed is how much the, the guitar rips, but also is subtle in other ways. It's, you know, he, he does a lot of really interesting guitar lines. But, it it um, rips and dips. Yeah. It's like, it's both ripping and textural, you know, it's both abstract. And then other times it's very punchy and very in your face. Um, and I, I really like that. I really like that. He's really able to wrangle a shit ton of sounds out of the guitar, you know, using some, sometimes using studio effects and studio trickery, but other times it's just his playing where it's very, you know, very unique to his, his, him and this band and you can always kind of tell a guitar a modest mouse guitar line or, or chord structure or whatever and i think you guys kind of touched on this a little bit uh, i think you especially caleb but there's a lot of what i call young white male profundity where it's just like you know like you're saying the bukowski shit or whatever where <laughs> it could very easily be very cringy and very awful and just off-putting but i think for the most part he avoids it and you know there's definitely stuff on here where i'm like oh boy okay this would have meant so much to me when i was 19 yeah, years old but now i'm like yeah profit yeah exactly it exactly. kind of reminds me of like that like style of stand-up comedy that happened in like the late 80s early 90s or actually pretty much throughout time the history of stand-up where it's like these quote-unquote like truth tellers hmm. it's like Oh man, what he's saying is so true. And it's like, then you step back and it's like, wait, is that so true? Or is this just like uh, a vision of like, yeah, like this white male profundity? Right. Or is it just content? the way that you're saying it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah is it just, just like being very fucking certain <laughs> yeah. about your words? Like, I mean, no, right, what, like, what does he say? Like, if you walk a sh like a straight line, like long enough you'll end up in the same back in the same place and it's like yeah oh shit and it's like wait is that even true <laughs> scientifically i don't know if it is i mean it is he's talking about especially on the thing on that line he's saying that like if you squint earth... your reasoning a little bit it's, it's a pile <laughs> of shit most of the time yeah well that's when I mean, there's I a mean... lot of those uh contradictory line reading yeah. kind of thing yeah that he does like and i think a lot of it's tongue-in-cheek too where he's just like kind of talking about there's like the nature of the universe and all this big picture shit and you're like oh dude that's like fucking bathroom wall like fucking like college dorms but like i think he's tongue-in-cheek for sure i think he's self-aware about it's enough where it, the is delivery though, of it is, is he knowing what we know about him now <laughs> well maybe in hindsight he wasn't as self-aware as we thought he was but yeah he's like you these know, fucking yeah. words are given to me by god like I, yeah this is the some divine intervention with my lyrics like i have to i'm a conduit yeah but it, i mean i kind of give him a pass because if you like 
you know know anything about this dude's life and kind of his lifestyle yeah. like that guy's right. a true fucking out there kind of like self-abandoned <laughs> was... weirdo like so it's fucking i'm not saying that's a good thing but he's definitely kind of fucking earned it to be yeah. this yeah kind but of I think a, it works. A bar it, it... that's kind of eccentric but I think it speaks to the strength of his vocal stylings, which can get obnoxious. But he sells he sells all of his lines where it's like, oh, yeah, that does sound kind of profound and sad and sweet at the same time. You know, well, that's that's kind of what I mean. Like it, it you know, if you just read it plain as text, like, yeah, it probably could be very, you know, cringy or, or embarrassing, but just the way that it's delivered and the way that he, yeah. And I think, I think I, you know, I agree, Caleb. I think that there's a lot of jokiness to it, or at least he's not taking himself as seriously as maybe we think he is. Uh, but you know, I it's, it's enjoyable. Whereas like maybe on like, you know, say like a clap your hands record, that would be just eye rolling, you know, like it works yeah. for, for this band, but I don't think it might work for another band. Let's, you know, like, even if, if they sounded similar, I think, I don't know, for whatever reason, his delivery just works for it. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's it's it, it's a record that I think it it definitely it casts a long shadow. And I don't know, I think I think there's probably still kids listening to it, but I don't know. I And listening to it now, I think that it sounds a lot fresher than I expected it to. And I hope totally. that. Totally. I hope that people are still connecting with it because it, to me, it still has a lot to offer. And, you know, it showed it, it showed that on these subsequent lessons and, you know, and it, it reminded me like of why it meant so much to me back then. And, you know, it, it does sound very 2000, like the year to it, it, it doesn't sound nineties. Yeah. It certainly doesn't sound anything like beyond the 2010s. It sounds very much early of the decade 2000 and i think that's an okay thing because i think the early 2000s were this weird space where they were like kind of also the end of the 90s but not quite the 2000s so like i don't know they have this agelessness quality and this kind of nether regionist quality to then that it's it's really hard to peg what that is so it's like i don't know i think 2000 was kind of naive you know and i think people had refined all the things that came out at least musically had refined all the things that kind of came out of the 90s and then we're kind of headed into the more i don't even know what the 2000s more technical or shit in the 2000s i don't know so it, it kind of 2000 to something sounds like 2000 i don't think that is necessarily an insult or like a like a bad thing you know no, yeah. it's it sounds yeah. like a band trying to make an epic album which yeah, is totally. what a lot of people were trying to do in the early 2000s yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yep right on um yeah thanks guys that was, that was really good shares um yeah well let's stop talking about all this and let's listen to some of it so you guys just want to jump right into our our slaps Lampers. Who wants to, um, I, I can lead it off. I don't think I've let off the segment yeah. yet. Um, yeah. I think this is shared too, if I uh, looked in the notes correctly. But uh, the one that I think slaps and I think definitionally slaps, it's the funkiest and kind of the, I don't know, has that just like that really catchy quality to it, would be Tiny Cities Made of Ashes. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's cool. I mean, yeah, obviously, like the bass line is really funky and kind of has like that. 
talking heads by way of like meat puppets or fucking bottle surfers or whatever kind of kind of vibe to it but i like it because it's just like a really dank and dark sound you know it's like this and the way that it kind of dips in the album i think it's like the fourth or sixth fifth or sixth song or something like that fifth yeah yeah it's like a perfect fifth song where it kind of just like there's a little bit of breathing room and then it kind of just goes into like kind of the nocturnal space you know and it's just like a um yeah, and it kind of just has like this dark central bass line, kind of like a punk dance punk kind of thing. It's dance punk for sure. Yeah, I think it's like dance dance punk for sure. And then, but then, uh, like you know, saying like the Gibby Haynes like the fucking um, megaphone vocals are like thrown in there, <laughs> yeah. and a little I bit, my a little notes. bit David Byrne things where it's kind of just like kind of disorienting and really work well to kind of create this claustrophobic kind of vibe of the song. And um, this was often played at like 2 30 in the morning um in like 2005 so uh, if you know you know as they say as the kids say uh, um so yeah the song always has a special special place in my heart and uh, it was like uh it, it didn't age poorly too and i was on the re-list and so yeah definitely had to put it on the top of the list nice yeah i i also had it as a as a highlight i think when i first started listening to this to them and these this record specifically this was always a standout it just it also just sounds different from a, a lot of their other songs it's you know as you guys mentioned it has kind of a, this dance punk rhythm it also has an it's interesting because it, it does change up a bit as it goes on so you know it starts off as kind of like more post-punk shouty thing and then it ends up yeah. in the kind of the dance punk thing um, but it's it's a really noisy, really great song, and yeah, the bass line is just killer. Rip, you know, it just it just rips. Yeah, it has like a jaw wobble type guitar riff going on. Um, nice. And I also had in my notes is like, is this Becky in rock? Like <laughs> Beck influence kind of a rock song, yeah. and it also reminded me of like, is this like America's answer to like Blur? Like it's kind of like an American <laughs> version of like those early blur songs where it's like a guy just talking fast about being a British dude, but this is like the American <laughs> version, a Mary pop, if you will. <laughs> I can kind of see that. Yeah. What do they call American music in Britain? They just call it music, mate. Like <laughs> muddy waters, uh, Me- Mississippi Fred McDowell. Like that was all music. James Brown. That was that was what we was on about. Thanks, Keith. All right. Uh, so here's a little of Tiny Cities Made of Ashes. Yes. Was that a breathy vocal alert? Yeah, that I think that's just Butthole Surfer's vocal. <laughs> butthole alert. I wish they made a whole album that sounds like this band. Like, yeah, that'd be interesting. And Adrian, thank you for not playing the part where it has a uh, blatant product placement in it because I do not support Coca Cola. They're a bunch <laughs> of uh, death squad supporting, union busting, water stealing. Loki, Loki, uh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 
and they took cocaine out of the original formula. So fuck them. Yeah, the coke <laughs> slaps when you need it. It hits like nothing other. Mexican coke, baby. Um, I'm gonna. I just want to play a little bit of the kind of more dance punky bit that comes out at the end because I really like the funky breakdown. I mean, that's definitely not too far from where the liars would land in just a year later. Yeah. Baseline, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that speed racer baseline sample that the Rizza does on the Ghostface, the Daytona 500 song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, it's good. It's just a cool, like, it showcases their range, too. It's like, because it's like her, the big soaring indie songs, and it kind of goes into this, and it just kind of shows they had like this eclecticism to them in a way that was that was paced well and earned you know not yeah. like their later shit where it's just like oh let's do some funk and then we'll do some sappy sad bastard shit and then, i don't know it really has no rhyme or reason to it um so that's cool it comes from a time when they, you kind of try shit like that but not get lost in the get lost in the eclecticism nice yeah okay what about uh let me shoot it over to adrian what do you got for another slap or yeah so i had a few here but i think i share a couple with you noah um so i'll I'll just talk about uh, one that i think is actually kind of a pivotal song for them i mentioned it earlier as as pointing towards their future gravity rides everything um, which is nice. there's the, the second song on the record and you know as you mentioned Noah the, that one two punch is really great third planet going in and gravity rides everything but you know you listening to this it certainly sounds like a song that would be in a fucking minivan commercial which I think it later was you know it, it has these textures to hey, it get that... in the van man <laughs> it's a whole thanks. new meeting thanks Henry um, <laughs> but you know, I think that the textures on it definitely point to stuff that was going to happen on on Good News. You know, it's kind of a you know a proto version of of those those songs and that sound. Yeah. Um, it's pop, but it's definitely a pop song for sure. And you know, it, there's nothing wrong with it at, at all. It, you know, I think that actually it's you know again it's one of the most important songs in their catalog because it is kind of pointing towards what the later modest mouse would be but it also incorporates a lot of the sensibilities of earlier stuff the you know, the the stuff that that people you know grew to really love about them i think that it's it this one just mixes those two things together really well and there's you know a lot of there's a nice great guitar work there's you know a really great chorus that's really super memorable and and you know it's just an overall pleasant sounding song and just it's really enjoyable to listen to yeah, his voice is kind of at its most it's an vulnerable, where he's like, there's no stank on it. It's just a raw me singing, trying to really sing a pop song. Um, I put in my notes, this is like upper tier, God tier, wake and bake song. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you fucking For roll sure. out of bed on like a Sunday. Yeah. You don't necessarily, it's like right after the BL kicks in, you know, where it's just like, it's not what you put on right when you wake up. It's like, 
fuck now. Yeah. Well, it's like, the kind of it's like let's get things started now. Like I, I've, yeah. I, 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 like, yeah. I took a shit. I smoked three yeah. bong loads, and now I'm yeah. ready to fucking get it's breakfast like your, started. It's your first so. wake and bake cigarette, which are yeah, because really, it's really a very underrated. sweet. It's a very sweet song, and it has a kind of like a youthful, kind of nostalgic feeling. Totally, yeah. It has a like kind of uh, like final days of summer. And I yeah. put those those guitar ping pinging sounds. There's like those single notes, kind of. It kind of reminds me all over of, that album. I don't know what to call yeah. it, but it's just kind of the, the modest mouse. It reminded guitar. me of the alien like frequency sounds in um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That like do <laughs> like kind of, kind of these. Yeah, that vibrating kind of single tone, kind of. But just, yeah, this is just a classic song. You can't deny it. Even if you don't like this album or yeah. Modest Mouse, you can't really say that this is a bad song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let, if you I'm don't gonna, like this album, just but just wait for me to call you at like two thirty in the morning until you put this song on. Tell you that's good. <laughs> Here's a little bit of the chorus, which I think nails a lot of what we're talking about here. Emotions and things that you say, it all will fall, fall right into place. As fruit drops, flesh insects, everything will fall right into place. When we die, some sink and some lay. It's like a little drum circle vibe. Totally. It's real sweet. Um, yeah, it's a good song. Like I think it's the it's like it's one of those songs just for me personally. I've you know had a rough day or week or even your year. And uh, you know, you can <laughs> smoke a bong load and put on this song. It's like, yeah, shit will fall into place. It all will work out. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or yeah, not but but, but it's you're like still it's gonna be those, okay yeah it's one of those like <laughs> or you, know, you won't put, be okay put two feet in front of the other bullshit kind yeah of. <laughs> you gotta start you gotta start somewhere you gotta keep going yeah it's like hey, at least it's I'm almost, high it's almost as if like in the morning like yeah we should start our own media like all those like uh those like rising grind like hustlenomics like uh um business memes yeah, we should start our own where it's just like some stock footage of like Tom Hardy or whatever, and it's like looking cool. And <laughs> no, it's like, here's what we need to do. Hey, dude, if everything thinks are getting kind of weird, just take a bong load and listen to Gravity Rides. Everything. Yeah, make one <laughs> of those those shirts with like the uh, wake ampersand bake ampersand yeah. Gravity Rides. Everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ampersand modest ampersand mouse. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. I'm going to play just a little bit of the intro too, because I think the intro has some of those textures that um, I was talking about that would become a major part of their sound. Give it up for the Lord. <laughs> a little praise. A little, a little praise, praise for sure. A little joyful noise. It's a little kumbaya. I'm into praise music now, guys. Are you into, <laughs> yeah, because that's different hey, from guys, let Christian me, uh, rock. Give you some literature. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? Um, it was like when they used to sell CDs on, on the TV. 
like all those oh, comps yeah. now the, through yep. the crit- well music. they had the now which and then they had the now uh praise and worship which is different that's the oh, more like oh yeah that's the more yeah. ethereal like and not it's not one. really like rock music it's more like kind of just like ethereal vocal they had that led. song with peppa though right from salt and peppa fame when when she became religious that would be on there that's praise and worship versus yeah. christian rock there's a difference get it right <laughs> I like uh, that, uh noah did you have a yeah, I mean, I got to just shout out. We shout out the second song, so I got to shout out the first song, Third Planet. I think it's just an iconic opener of an album. It has got that jangly guitar sound. It has that butthole surfers, megaphone voice. I get this song stuck in my head all the time. It's like, fucking people over. <laughs> like, all the time. I got fucking people over. He says fucking people over or getting fucked over quite a bit in this song. All right, in this album. Hey, you're either fucking people over or you're getting fucked over. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Let's just hear Third Planet. Yeah, so I'm just gonna jump in kind of around the one minute mark here. Let's let's go to the 130. See what we got. Damn, this fool spitting. Spit your <laughs> get your shit off. <laughs> science, drop it, science. Exactly like the earth. Yeah, it's got a little American football vibe, or so I'm told. <laughs> Uh, and there, yeah, there's that white boy profundity that we were talking about. Yeah, hey, what's got to play the chorus? Let me hear the F word, baby. Let's see if I can give me an F. Give me a U. Who does that? Abby Hoffman. wagon music. Like praise and worship, dude. Just like, yeah, get your hands up. Uh, whatever. They know. The I think. Chorus. I think funny. he might say it at the end, though. Let me. Let's try one more time, and then if not, then fuck it. It's very me You're right. Yeah. That is a question I ask myself. I mean, I don't fuck people over, but it's like, I do, I am like a fuck it guy. Like, eh, whatever. I'm over here by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. You still do owe both me and Adrian $3,000 from that LLC filing that you uh, yeah. take care of. I guess I did fuck you guys <laughs> yeah. over. We, we got to talk about that off air. But it does remind me of like kind of it is a kind of keeping yourself in check song like yeah, yeah totally is that my only art just being yeah. an asshole it's a little Eeyore Eeyore vibes a little <laughs> bit <laughs> right on yeah does anybody have any other slappers I mean there's a bunch on sound there's a lot to Caleb choose you don't got another yeah one? yeah well I have an honorable mention um and it's I believe it's the song that comes right after it's Tiny City of Ashes uh, a different city 
That's one of my wax. Um, oh wait, no, never mind. It's the mind. city suite. You know the little city to think. Um, yeah, I think I just think the way that it follows the tail end of Tiny City Made It Bastards and goes to a different city, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, from San Francisco to Oakland, just hop, skip, and a jump. Um, I think it goes to Boston because this is very Pixies esque. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could I could definitely hear that. Um, like those, but it has some vocals. fucking dope just like dizzying guitars and they're kind of like what i was talking about like not punk or post-hardcore but definitely kind of like i don't know maybe it was a little bit to unwound or whatever just those angular guitars you know yeah pacific northwest um and those kind of changes of pace and things um and i think it's one of the songs that's kind of the most like driving and aggro you know but just very emotionally just kind of has a lot of reckless abandon emotionally on it. So, yeah, I think it's just like a cool, feral little jammer. Um, it's like it has it sh- it's less controlled and than the other songs. And I think that's cool. I think that's kind of like what's needed and kind of like that spiritually goes back more to the, the two albums previous that were a little bit more loosey goosey. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, dude, why don't we uh, go to a different city? Yeah, first I'm gonna play a little bit of the intro, which I had a little note here because I felt like it it was a total Minuteman kind of uh, backing uh, yeah, track. There's rhythm. a lot of Minuteman DNA on this. Yeah, sure. much more than I would have, much more than I remembered, honestly. But there's yeah, a lot it's, it's of a lot that. busier than than you would think. Yeah, yeah, well, it and, speaks and it's to killer. the versatility of of Hurley and Watts. Uh, yeah, because they they were a lot more weirdo than people remember i think mm-hmm. for sure i mean and they you know they're big jazz heads so they're always thinking of that in terms of those and i think that you know i certainly i don't know the background of um eric judy and and jeremiah um i forget his last name but i, I of them I, I don't know if they have you know other chops but certainly you can hear the full extent of their playing on this um so here's a little bit of the intro of a different city <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. Ripper. I really, it's a total ripper. I really love that. Um, and I like, as you mentioned, Caleb, I love how the, the changes it goes through and how it kind yeah, of the totally. guitar, the, car, the guitar kind of drives it. There's a really cool bridge that I'll play here. Um, yeah, definitely. I know exactly. Right. And it's then, almost like a breakdown. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, here's a little bit of that. Cause this, this is actually not too long, not that long of a song. It's like under uh-huh. four minutes um, or under three minutes, I should say. But yeah, here's, here's a little bit of that middle bridge section. And you can hear kind of like the guitar effects and stuff that he's playing around with. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and here's finally, here's just a little bit of uh, of the chorus. So we get a little bit of the vocals in here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Good shit. Yeah, and we saved Noah that that next vocal delivery that came after that, where it gets a little. <laughs> whatever Noah calls it, a little yelpy, a little fugazi. Anything that's yeah. a approaches fugazi, we just kind of uh, keep a wide berth from Noah. I got one more slapper, and I think it's my favorite Modest Mouse song of all time, "Paper Thin Walls," wow. song eleven, because um, it reminds me of my favorite Blink One Eighty Two song, "Wasting Time." Where it's like one of those like repeating kind of layered stuff, but play that one, and then I'm gonna go but talk amongst yourself. Okay. Well, just to add to that, I <laughs> I also had this as a um, as a highlight. This was definitely a track that I always appreciated and enjoyed, and it also shows kind of the breadth of the sounds on this record because this one is you know coming from a completely different place from you know the song we just heard for instance yeah you know, totally it's, it's kind of a folk folk jammer yeah um, totally and it, yeah it has a more of like a bounce and a lift to it you know and it's like yeah. um yeah it's it's a little bit more playful and kind of kind of uh tamps down gives a little more sweetness to kind of like a pretty kind of can be what a serious and intense album at, at times you know so yeah it gives a little lightness to that yeah to the, the rougher parts of it Exactly. And I think, and just going back to what I said about the, the sequencing and the ebb and flow, this comes in, you know, towards the end of the record and it's mm -hmm. kind of a nice segue into the last sort of five. Yeah. Songs. It's kind of the anthem of the latter part of it. And they had, they had yeah. to kind of have like that two or three anthems to start it. Yeah. And it's kind of a nice little, and, and, and it's kind of like the sweet, sweet because wild pack of family dogs is like, kind of a weird song for this album you know yeah, um, yeah. and kind of I, I don't know how i feel about that song but yeah i think like paper thin walls like it gets redeemed and kind of redeems the album kind of gives it a nice like a different direction or reset yeah reset that's a good word for it um but here's a little bit of paper thin walls great song yeah and it's like also like you're saying no, it's like capital i indie rock too that song is like yeah, kind of yeah. um he definitely a has a little bit of a primer on what we meant you know what that phrase means yeah it definitely has that marsh 2000. vocal sound going on the built to spill kind of for yeah, sure kind of more up tempo kind of more major yeah, chord he's hitting the, he's hitting the dug on that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Let me play just a little bit of the intro so we get a little bit of flavor of that because I like. You know what I'm talking about? The wasting my time, the Blink 182 song. Yeah, like, I, yeah. He's like, I think it's a Tom song. Get well, Tom. We're praying for you. Um, yeah, good, good luck, Tom. But uh, he has We're also that, playing for Mark too. Uh, well, 
Mark has cancer. Well, we oh, got the Mark. right ones. Oh shit, we're praying for Mark. Tom. Well, no, and Tom, Tom has severe mental health <laughs> challenges too. So uh, <laughs> prayers up for well, both. Yeah, okay. Andrew. Prayers up for for all Travis, of them. Travis, uh, Travis, too. Travis Barker Travis too. is uh, yeah. he has a sex addiction to super groups. But I always. <laughs> but this song always reminds me of that wasting time song off the Blink One Eighty Two Cheshire Cat album, where he's he sings the line. He's like, "I'm wondering if you're sitting at home." Wondering if I'm sitting at home thinking of you, sitting at home thinking of you. And then this song has that whole everyone's a voyeur, they're watching me watch you, you watch, watch me, me right now. now. Kind of that yeah. back and forth, like weirdo, yeah, paranoia narrator stuff. Like, I don't know. I just, no, that's I like cool. That's, word, yeah, that's a dope. I like the wordplay. Yeah. And I always, I think those two songs, I've even made like a mix where I put those two songs together, but. I know, we'll Stalker. get around. We'll do a Cheshire Cat. Uh, that might, yeah, we can do that. Classic. That might come up on the classics. It's like um, episode two seventy five. Yeah, here's here's a little bit of the uh, intro to Paper Thin Walls, which is is great. I genuinely love that song. No, yeah, it's, it's such a fun song. That's by far my favorite Modern Snow. It has Snow a cool song. little shimmy to it. It's great. It's a, butt, it... it's a little butt shaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has the shimmy. For sure. All right. All right. Um, does anyone have any other track highlights before we uh, take a dump on this album? <laughs> no, I think we'll uh, all right, let's I think we whack. cover it. Okay, oh, well, there's... Baby. There's one, so there's one song I do just want to mention briefly, because um, it points to another aspect of the band at, at, that we haven't really talked touched on, and I think that's that they have these songs that are they're pretty much they're epics within themselves. So mm-hmm. they'll have these songs that are six, seven, eight minutes long and with a bunch of different sections, um, but they they work for the most part. You know, they're really you know I think on on Lonesome Crowd Rest there's trailer trash i can't remember which song it's super long but on this one it's the stars are projectors which is like has like three or four different sections and it's you know almost nine minutes long jammy Um, it's very jammy you know um but i just want to mention that that's another aspect of them is that they do have these yeah these these really epic you know long jammers where they just go all out in terms of like you know guitar work and you know they'll have different guitar work <laughs> different sort of you know orchestrated sections um but i i always like this song a lot too i'll just play a, a little brief section here no from... play the full nine minutes come on <laughs> yeah, give, yeah. Give we're running time. really good on time on this episode <laughs> i'll just play i'll just play a little taste of this and then we can get into our our whackers um but here is the stars are projectors Stars are projectors, yeah, projecting our lives down to this planet Earth. And the stars are projectors, yeah, projecting our minds down to this planet Earth. Everyone wants a double feature. They want to be their own damn teacher. And how all the stars are projectors. 
That has uh, uh, what you sign in somebody's yearbook energy. <laughs> like you put like... <laughs> Like, a, like you say like hey no senior not a senior quote. quote like when you sign your friends <laughs> and then you like just see like when you start your friend's notes or like something in your book you'd always like put a little song lyric whatever you probably put something <laughs> yeah. that song uh, senior year senior <laughs> for year sure. for sure because you're like enlightened at that point <laughs> uh, awesome yep nice. all right uh yeah what are some uh what are some wax or wax or missteps or whatever hey, y'all thought about do you, guys, this album. do you guys have wax I, I have one yeah i can just jump right in um yeah i do not like the song it came as a rat some might say it's filler and uh it definitely is but i don't know it kind of has this overtures towards their mainstream aspirations yes. um and i have something about really high in the mix strummy acoustic guitars which i know kind of modest mouse that's kind of a signature of theirs i don't know but in this application it's just i don't know it's kind of cringy at least for me and i think this is definitely he did the vocals like the day after he got his uh wires off his jaw because they're lazy as shit and <laughs> um and it kind of yeah it kind of goes to like the suspender rock thing where it's just kind of like that i don't know fake drunk like trying to spit bars yeah um, caleb i i put this barroom like- poet kind of thing so i don't know yeah, Kev, I, just, I, sounded... I think it's just a misstep, and it, it it comes towards the end, and it could honestly just be scratched. I said it kind of sounded like a mid '90s kind of hit, like a Everlast, like that song, like "Know What It's Like" or like Marcy yeah. Play, Marcy Playground. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, yeah, how they made the song five years earlier, they could have just been a one-hit wonder with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very one-hit wonder. Yeah. But I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that you know, they have yeah. more of a career. But I would be fine if Paper Thin Walls was the last song on the album. Well, maybe keep Life Like Weeds and then call it a day. Yeah, I got to keep Life Like Weeds for uh for yeah Twills. for Modest Tyler. Yeah, dude, don't do that to Tyler. But let's hear that. I came as a rat. Yeah, here here is a little bit of the Some intro to rats. I came. <laughs> I came as a rat. To be a rat. <laughs> well, I ain't sure, but I've been told it's baked cakes. Tired our souls, stayed awake, took a nap, got myself my bottles back. I'm breaking them out on the street, walking around my own bare feet. I do not need you to tell me that I'm not a cat. I caught a ride. He caught some air. He's never gonna cut his hair. It takes more time to make fake. We not swam down. Yeah, All right, let's we get don't to... we don't need that in 2021. <laughs> yeah, well here here's a little more of the meat of the song, which it kind of gets a little different there. Wolf Parade totally ripped this whole song off and made a career out of it. I didn't think about that. You could definitely that hear epi- some of the texture. That episode's for, coming up too. Wolf Parade. <laughs> oh yeah. Didn't they yeah. just kind of steal that whole vocal sound? That's crazy. Yeah. Like, kind of. I feel like yeah. their whole sound is like that. Did you it's know that uh, Isaac Brock got uh, Wolf Parade signed to Sub Pop? No. Yes. Yes. He was there uh, in our guy. Must have saw yeah. something. <laughs> Adrian, do you have a whack? I do not. I, for the most part, all of these tracks work for me. 
there is not one that I think is weak. You know, yeah. I can see arguments for for chopping it up a bit. Like, you know, if you want to take lives or what people are made of, as you're mentioning, you know, at the end, I think that's okay. Um, but I like those tracks. I actually, I really like that they end on like a real banger. You know, yeah, a lot like of these records, song or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think a lot of records around this time, they would end with like kind of a, you know, a moody slow song. Yeah. Like actually, okay. Computer is a good, is a good, uh, uh, touchstone for this because it's a great record, but, and the last song is great, but that last song is kind of a, you know, a slow burning, you know, more ballad thing. I think ending with a bang is, you know, really interesting and really, you know, especially this this particular song, it really works. But anyways, I think that's a built to spill influence because yeah, that's kind of a built to spill. where they do that's like right. a punk rock song at the end of their albums, usually, or they do like a straight barn burner jammer too. Jammer, which is, yeah. yeah. As exactly. I get older, I can still not get into jam bands. Um, I think it's garbage, but um, I do like <laughs> bands that are jammy, yeah. and I like bands like Modest Mouse and uh, yeah, a lot of it. A lot of good shit out there that just kind of. I have one down, go. downright whack, and it kind of falls in line. I think just like six songs, uh, six through nine are like a slog, mm. and it kind of derailed the album. Maybe just because I think the first five songs are so like of a piece and perfect. Well, maybe a different city's not bad, but seven through nine I find hard to get through. But the song alone down there his voice he's doing like this golem fucking voice it's like too <laughs> it's too theatrical it sounds like he's like on a doing like a broadway play voice or something it sounds like uh what was that guy edward sharp and like the zero magnetic or second second mention magnetic of in this zero episode. zeros or whatever it sounds it's too it's too theatrical what was their jam uh, some bullshit song. <laughs> yeah, called like I work hit. for Salesforce or something. No, it's like you know. Is this so, called? Uh, do you have what kind of IPAs do you have on tap? Sounds like <laughs> um, nightmare, nightmare before Christmas music or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> for the dickweeds. Um, I actually this song alone down there. I actually had that as my honorable mentions because I like the song, but. Uh, I can kind of you see where no you're hitting it. Fucking taste. <laughs> I'm just a true believer, baby. Um, but here's a little bit of the chorus, and uh, unless you had something to add here, Caleb. No, um, I actually like this song, but I could totally see what you're saying. No, I was like, I like the kind of intensity of it. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit one note. I would say I, I kind of agree. I'm kind of leaning towards it not being a whack, but yeah, it's less useful to me. Right. Here is a little of alone down there. He's testifying. Like a preacher <laughs> speaking on tongues. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little maudlin kind of. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Like Nightmare Before Elm. It's not like steampunky, but like, I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, it's what it I, don't know, is. I could see some like sepia toned music video. When are we going to get the Modest Mouse Broadway play? 
like a jukebox musical. <laughs> the jukebox, modest mouse. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure someone pitched that. Make it so happen, I mean, Captain. I'm surprised on. it didn't. I'm surprised it yep. didn't happen more after the um, the Green Day one. Like, oh, I'm surprised there's not a um, our band could be your life Broadway musical. <laughs> could could you imagine any of those people agreeing with them like other bands or even themselves to like get that they were like here's like you each get i don't know 80 grand they probably be <laughs> like yeah fuck it yeah <laughs> i don't know make it happen now that could be your calling all right i gotta write the book <laughs> yeah dude write a treatment let's get a let's get a fucking treatment going yeah it opens what, with where's linman let's get let's get this to linman well Oh God! Yeah, just He's anything like, to get that dude off we of can hip do hop. A yeah. Corny rap version <laughs> yeah. of uh, the Minutemen. No, no, no! Just do like do indie rock vocals, please. please. Whatever you do, just please stop rapping. Just stop teaching boomers what rap is. It's like He's like double really damaging on the dime. <laughs> something, something stupid, something. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude's fucking corny. All right, so. Uh yeah, you think we guys covered all the tracks adequately? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, we, uh, I think yeah, we there's a lot track. here, but I think we I think we yeah. did uh, um, cover most of uh, the important stuff. Yeah, and the cool thing is like this album has so many different ups and downs and different directions it goes in. So, li- dear listeners, if you feel that we didn't cover a song or whatever, send us a voicemail, send us an email, let email us know what us, songs yeah. on this album, especially. I know a lot of our listeners who are get our know, asses, our homies, every. They, they probably have they're probably bummed to hear that we didn't cover whatever song so you know be a part of it let us know what we, we missed and what you feel about it guys listeners every listener right now whether you like it hate us hate this review whatever leave us a review we need reviews on itunes badly <laughs> like subscribe we are, and review we are three days away from being shadow banned <laughs> I don't know what that means, and I also heard it's not that it's made up. But us, even we're if it's definitely just gonna get shadow banned. Even if it's just a pitchfork style, like six point two, that is all. It, yeah, whatever reviews counts. <laughs> right, negative whatever. Any, or it, it could have nothing to do with the podcast. Be like, they sound like nice guys, or oh, I've met them before. Caleb's an asshole. Like whatever it is, like just say something, make us feel something. Talk shit. Yeah, give us something to have work fun. With. Yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. So, how what would you guys rate this album? One out of ten, and uh, the fractions thereof or decimals thereof. Pitchfork Ooh. style, baby. Uh, yeah, I I struggled with this one because you kind of have to rate it for its influence, you know. Mm-hmm. Like and for its time, for sure. Yeah, for its time and what it was trying to do. So I think initially on first blush, just because that middle section really and the end, the tail end really kind of derails things for me on this album. But I'll give it an 8.5 because maybe that's low just because it's such an important album and I think it's an influential album. But I don't know. Maybe there's a little too much studio fuckery that could have been edited down. But I don't know, like a B plus, because again, I'm just I was never a modest mouse guy, but those first five songs are great. Like I think I would just if it was just those first five 
songs and then a couple of on the back end, maybe it would be closer to like a nine, but there's a lot to wade through. So I think it would be an addition by subtraction situation if they skim some of this down, but uh, yeah, I give it an 8.5. All right. 8.5 from Noah. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, obviously I think 9.8 is a little too high. Um, I think that that range is more for, for me personally, for, for some of their other records, certainly the one before this. Um, but at the same time, as you're saying, Noah, it's, uh, it's a very influential and important record in, in the realm of indie dumb. I think that emphasis on dumb. Um, but I think that, so I think it, it definitely cracks the 9.0 mark. Is it higher than that? I don't know. I don't know about that, but I think, yeah, okay. I think I'm going to give it a 9.2. I, I think a 9.2 is solid because it is, it's a, an important record, certainly not only just in terms of like in, influence and, and um, critical acclaim, but also just for me personally, it's a very important record and a very important band. So uh, for me, 9.2 feels about right. Dude, Adrian, you're getting jaded. I thought this was going to be a 10-0 for you for sure. <laughs> I mean, you gave fucking the broken social scene a 10. Yeah, that 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 feels more like a 10 to me than in that moment than this feels like. He's going to issue a correction next week. <laughs> I'll tell you. You know what? I, they all get 10s. <laughs> I will I will I will hint that 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 perhaps the record before this might be closer to that. Oh, uh, if yeah, we ever that, cover that. That's a great album. So cool. I think I that th for me, that's the one, but I'm excited sorry, to ahead, revisit Caleb. those, uh, uh, yeah, those earlier albums. Cause I definitely haven't heard those in way longer than I heard. The Lonesome last crowded one. West, Caleb, check it out. It's long. It's like an hour. And it's another minutes. long one. Yeah. But it All is right. well, hey, excellent. I live in the, I live in the Lonesome crowded West and, uh, probably get stuck <laughs> in some traffic at some point. But, uh, so what I'm going to do here is cause this album far exceeded my expectations, which were based on, a very hazy memory so like i'm gonna inverse what pitchfork did and give it an 8.9 nice it's just about a 9.0 album it's like very very strong and just it's just the voice of a generation and um and not in a corny kind of like unearned way so um yeah give it an 8.9 yeah. so i add up a little bit of this a little bit of that that gives us a 8.86 so an 8.9 so i i win yeah. spot on yeah. 8.9 sounds good well what if i gave it 8.6 just round gotta, it up to a nine i gotta do push it to this. nine all right i don't think that, that sounds I, good i don't think that's gonna do that but uh, feels like a nine plus what'd you get it did we get it over over the hump let's go uh, well whatever Kev, you don't have to actually do the math. We'll just say it's an eight. We'll just say it's a nine point uh, We got to do this right. <laughs> nope, still gives it, it gives it an eight point nine flat <laughs> on the spot on the dot. All, right. All right, we get the point though. Let's give it a nine. Good job, modest mouse. Yeah, nine sounds right. Even though I think there's like four songs in the middle that are yep. slog. But... All, right. All right. So, how does this stack up to the smooth scale though? You know, it's a pretty eclectic album. Carlos. Um, Supernatural is a super eclectic album. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think there's some sort of like parallels there. Yeah, they 
tour together. Well, why didn't he get <laughs> Isaac Brock to be on jump on the supernatural track? They could yep. have done something. Let's yeah. just can we hear smooth? I haven't heard that song in a while. Yeah, I know. It's we need to get re smoothed. We need to re smooth our brains. Need a little bump. Yeah, dude. Just, low just a little cokey. bit. High key cookie. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know, I think there's some uh there's some synchronicity between these two uh these two artists, let's say. Yeah, smooth scale, by the way, guys, as we ask ourselves, would you la- rather listen to the 15 tracks on this album, The Moon in Antarctica by Modest Mouse, or would you rather listen to the Carlos Santana featuring Rob Tomas, uh, iconic single, uh, smooth, an equal amount of times? Yes, very scientific. So here is a little, a little smooth to ease us into the next section. Yeah, there's some there's some like butthole surfers vocals going going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got that effect. Butthole sure. alert. Butthole yeah. alert. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pepper, pepper vocals. Spiritual. <laughs> Not the shitty boy boy reggae band. Um, no, the single, the iconic single. Yeah, of course, dude. Which I think was what I came as a rat. That's what their aspirations were. A song like Pepper. Now that I think of it, I was thinking of this kind of like stepping out nineties novelty songs. Anyways, um, whatever happened to this band? They got huge after the next two albums were absolutely stratospheric for a band from their yeah Caleb, beginnings four on days K Records. Ago. And four days ago, they just dropped a record. Wow, they Still got going. yeah. You can't understate how huge they were after that good news for people who love bad news. I mean, they sold like a hundred. Or no, they sold like two million records. Off yeah, it's why I mean that's float on was everywhere. Every the radio was playing it constantly. You know, back when the radio mattered, it was on commercials. It was in TV shows. You know, the video yeah. back when videos mattered was always a, a playing too. And it's just it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to imagine how it felt now knowing where they are at like how big that leap was for them, especially as a fan and to, to realize like, Oh, this is much bigger than, you know, than I even could have ever imagined for them. And, you know, on on the one hand, it's great. On the other hand, they kind of, you know, got worse as time went on. So, and then that album that they came out after the, we were dead before they were wrong. So we drowned or we were dead before the ship even sank or something. That's, or, or they think, were wrong so we yeah one of those that album yeah. was huge too they were like on a run yeah that dashboard song again another hit single for them and and yeah i think they continued to kind of release stuff but i don't think anything really hit the height of those kind of records and then now um yeah now we're in 2021 and they just dropped a new record and from what I can, I haven't listened to it. Uh, Wait, Adrian, what... they were wrong, so we drowned as liars. Oh, right. Okay. What we was were so... dead before the ship even sank. Thank okay. God. So, you know, it's, um, 
it's kind of crazy that they're still going, that they're still, you know, um, I think I forget. I think Eric Judy left the band. So I think it's just the two original members plus um, whoever well, they else. Tour, they, they tour with like 12 fucking members. They have like two drummers now when they tour and stuff. And also, I, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this up to this point. Johnny Marr um, was a member of this That's band so for, right. for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> it was like after that super popular album, right? He like just joined. Even so wait, it was after, after it was on. It was we were after 2005, right? Or, yeah, it was after. Yeah, it was, it was on the, the, we the drown record. Yeah, he the, yeah. he wasn't even there for the hit. Yeah. So so wait, Modest Mouse is officially a supergroup now. Oh shit! <laughs> well, let's not forget about Ugly Casanova. His others was that a supergroup? Uh, that was Wasn't a solo that, project. I, I think. That was oh, okay. dude, Wasn't that just him? It was Isaac Brock, but I think he did have a, a full band behind him. Um, but yeah, yeah that stuff's also worth seeking out. They're you still know. going. He's um totally mentally stable. He doesn't have any hot takes about uh government mind control. Yeah, reading interviews with him now isn't totally going to bum you out. I think he's pro the vaccine. He's like, come on, people, let's all work. Let's all get back to normal so we can go back to (laughs) fucking see us at Coachella. He owns a bar, (laughs) which might not be the best. Yeah, that's the fox garden, the hen house, as they say. (laughs) I don't know. He might be a sober guy. Maybe that's the problem. He's he's not sober. He's too sober. Um, I've heard that can happen. But they did kind of get. After their pop success, they were pretty much irrelevant from here on out, which leads me into my game, actually. Nice. All right. Let's do it. All right. To play the game, I'm just going to do the pitchfork prices right. I'm just going to look up the last couple Modest Mouse albums, and you guys try to guess the, the pitchfork rating of the album, and whoever's closest without going over wins. All right. So let's go with June 26, 2021. We have Modest Mouse, The Golden Casket. What do you think Pitchfork gave it? So I just I just saw this one. So I kind of remember what it's at. It's it's higher than you would would think. So I'll let Kayla, I'll let you I'll let you guess. <laughs> yeah, kind of way higher than I would think, but not that high. Yeah. Can't imagine it being high at all. Um, like a six point three. Ooh, close. Oh. Yeah. I'll uh I well I, I know what it is, so I'll just should I just say it? Yeah. I believe it's a seven one or a seven two. Is that right? Seven three. Seven three. Seven three. Even higher than I thought. Wow. The band's first new album in six years is a procession of pinging, clanging, reverberating tactile pleasures an inventive backdrop for isaac brock's familiar blend of forced optimism and unforced paranoia <laughs> what does that mean unforced paranoia you're either paranoid or you're all paranoia is is forced either internally or externally what? right i don't know i uh, see i could write for these fuck with that gibberish pinging clanging, <laughs> writing all right um, let's do Strangers to Ourselves, which was their 2015 album. Hmm. Has a terrible a f- album cover. It looks like an aerial view of like the Pentagon for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. And there's like repeated, right? Yeah. Maybe that's his um, paranoia thing. Yeah. I, um, hmm. I yeah, feel like this yeah. was higher than expected, but 
Yeah. What's your guess, Adrian? Six four. Whoa. Caleb, what's your guess? Sorry, what was it? What was it again? Strangers to ourselves, 2015. Oh, more more mm. Um. Oh fuck. It's all mm. Okay. <laughs> it's it's all mm from here, baby. 2012 is that what you M&M, said? Mm. 2015. Ooh, 2015. Okay, so I feel like they weren't. Yeah, they weren't worried about market forces. So they still kind of talk shit. They would shit on their idols. Um, like a shit on the bones of. I point eight. <laughs> what was point, it? Six point four. Did Adrian get it exactly? Yeah. Down on the dot. Oh shit. On the dizzle. Damn. Good job, buddy. All right, one more, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the aforementioned, we were dead before the ship even sank. So they they got that Mar Johnny Mar bump. Uh. What do you think they gave this bad boy from Fuck. 2007? Oh, man. This is a real stinker. Our oh, old, our friend Bobby of, Mitch. Out of the past, Night of the Hunter was reviewing this one. We were Ooh. dead before the ship even sank. This was another one where I think was higher than you would think. I, uh, the album cover, just to jog your memory, it's a hot air balloon. But wait, yeah. is there a basket at the end of it? No, it's an anchor. Ooh, is it going up or is it going down? Only time will tell. Mm. I'm going to say 7-1. Because, I again, I think it was higher than you would have thought. No, 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 6-9. I'm going to say 6-9 because nice. 6-9 Mafia. Um, God, sounds a real fucking clunker. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna say like seven two. It's high. It's seven point eight. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Seven eight. Goodness. Well, you know why? I thought they had moved. Ah, uh, two thousand seven. I guess they hadn't totally moved. Well, on. you know why? Because Johnny Marr is on it, and guess who else is on it? The Shins, James Mercer. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. He's Kevin Spacey of Indie Rock. Got <laughs> I'm sure he loves that we gave him that nickname. The Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Kevin Spacey looking motherfucker. Um, God, dude. Johnny Marr has got to be the most patient man in rock. He was in a band with Isaac Brock and fucking Morrissey. He loves the DIY torture. Personality S&M. Emotional S&M. Nice, <laughs> nice short one. We got yeah, yeah, yeah I was good. listening to the last episode of my game was like rambling. I was I was too too many beers in by the time yeah. it was last one. <laughs> no, I love the games. They're a highlight of my night. Um yeah, good episode. That was a very appropriate given the, the length of this album. Thank you for listening as always, everyone. Um we're back. We just uh dropped an episode on a Tuesday. We'll be dropping this uh when we drop it, when you listen to it. So yeah. Keep checking back to the feed. Um, and uh, as for uh, next week, we revisit uh, the question that's been haunting a generation. Who does give a fuck about an Oxford comma? <laughs> comma. Uh, so <laughs> we take on Vampire Weekend's 2008 debut. That is a big one. It's going to be a heavy hitter. So let us know what your opinions are now. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you to Kiki for our theme song. Thank you to Adrian for all your uh, production work. Thank you to Noah for keeping this going. Uh, check us out online at wackerslaps.com. 
hit us up on socials at Wacker Slaps. That's Twitter and IG. And send us a good old-fashioned email at wackorslaps at gmail.com. Let us know how you feel about it. Uh, check back check back on the feed. We're going to get a bunch of episodes out this summer. Um, for this Noah. is our summer. This is our summer, Damn baby. Fools. <laughs> uh, for Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And I leave you with the eternal question. What made Milwaukee famous? Yeah, hit the music. Bye.